This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And it's summer, and one of us is drinking water. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's water in all the drinks that we have. Oh, Water's interesting. A, ma- a major component of A real drinks. scientist, aren't you? You know, there, we asked in high school, we asked an English teacher... She was. We were talking about you know how you're supposed to drink eight glasses of water a day or whatever. Is that real? And I asked whether like other drinks counted, and she said, you know, she didn't think so. And for a very long time, <laughs> I took that English teacher's sort of off the cuff guess about <laughs> how liquid works as gospel. So, I I mean, I drink I drink a good amount of water. That's that much is stuck with. I am not someone who drinks one of those big jugs every day. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are like, you got high, and they're they're right. You gotta hydrate. You do gotta hydrate. I but just like, I don't know if you just if you boss me around to do it, it just makes me want to do it less. Is it is it Homer who thinks <laughs> you need to drink eight ounces, like eight glasses of gravy a day? Is that is that a Homer Simpson bit? It's possibly okay. This is our book podcast where each week one of us reads a book and tells the other person about it. All of this opening banter, charming, winsome, endearing, has been inspired by the book that Andrew read for this week's show. Andrew, what'd you read? I read Summer Water by Sarah Moss, or as we Philadelphians would say, at Summer Wooder. Welcome. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> um, yeah, this book came out, what, 2020? Is that right? Yeah, 2020. Yeah. Good year. Good, a good year for everything, that including everyone. Books remembers mm-hmm. being a mm-hmm. great year mm-hmm. um, it's one of the first books that i've read where it's it's just like a bunch of people living their lives and then also like pretty much all of them thinks for just like a minute while they go about their days doing other stuff about like the unstable political situation and just the times that we live in yeah i've i've read that <laughs> about cool. this cool. book i love seeing that simmering anxiety that i carry around with me always reflected in the literature that i'm reading wonderful because it's a very it's a you know 2020 if it's if that's the year it's published it's happening in this narrow band of like post like brexit which is most relevant for for moss yep um but pre-covid yeah so yeah very a a distinct moment in time yeah and a lot of her uh, certainly she, so she's published eight novels, Moss, born in 1975 in Glasgow. Um, this is her seventh novel. And the one that she, I think, got the most acclaim for was The Ghost Wall, uh, which was preceding this one. And it was nominated for a few awards, including being longlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one has a lot of other, has some... Um, Brexit feelings in it as well. I, I don't yeah. know about the title zone, which was her previous title. 
not title zone. Oh, the title zone. <laughs> <laughs> AKA the library. Um, that's a cool place. There's a cool podcast about like coming up with names for things. Ooh. The title zone. TM, TM, TM. Um, mm. And yeah, something about her work that I saw mentioned in a lot of interviews is that, you know, she is someone who maybe because of her style and how she thinks about character we'll talk about i guess is that like her books reflect you know national and international moods without the books always being about that yeah and she is not necessarily like let me sit down and write a brexit book as much as it is i'm writing about people who would be thinking about brexit or yeah the book like in, the book ends up being about that insofar as it's about yeah. anything specific. Like it's it is building to an ending, but it kind of creeps up on you. I was reading one review of it. It might have been the New York Times, might have been somewhere else that called the uh the ending like expeditious. <laughs> e- Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's mostly just about people. People in one small community who are dealing with a couple of different like low level irritations and how it like how it's making all of their days go. Basically. Cool. Um, so like I said, we'll talk about Moss quickly. We'll talk about the origin of this book a little bit. Um, and so she grew up in Manchester after being born in Glasgow. She got her PhD at the University of Oxford. Her doctoral research, Andrew, was on the influence of polar exploration on the romantic imagination. Romantic there is capitalized, like the era of right, sure. art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she's never really set any of her literary work in the romantic era, but a lot of interviews with her kind of talk about this like, She's interested in our relationship with the land we inhabit and the mm-hmm. time that we're placed in and how we found ourselves where we did, um, which seems to maybe be informed by this, like, what is this era where there are still parts of the world that we can explore that haven't been, quote unquote, explored, mm-hmm. but it's really like the far flung, you know, no one's even living there and it's very dangerous, but we're back at home and all that kind of stuff. Um, she was the professor of creative writing at the university of uh, Warwick. And then now I think teaches at the university of college, Dublin university college, Dublin. Um, like I said, her first book was published in 2009, cold earth. And then signs for cold. (laughs) Woof. Uh, signs for lost children and the title zone 2015 and 2018 or 2016. Rather, those are her fourth and fifth books that were both, um, Shortlisted for the Welcome Book Prize. Oh, uh, how nice. What a nice prize. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, Welcome Ghost to Wall, our prize. 2018. This book, 2020. And then The Fell, 2021. She also has a few different uh, nonfiction books as well. Um, she talks about uh, writing this book because it was... Um, her family had stayed at a week in like a Scottish park and it rained the whole time, which I understand Uh is part of what this book is. Yeah. That's what, that's this book for (laughs) sure. Uh, and the, someone in that community was regularly having late night parties Mm -hmm. and in the, like the visitor log for the rental she was in, 
across multiple visits people had commented on it like <laughs> and no one was like mad but just every- everybody everybody was aware of these people in the party yeah. that we're having yeah. <laughs> yes uh and so she started it as a distraction project from another book that she deemed was more difficult i don't know if that's what became the fell but this started as a like side project to kind of alleviate i guess some you know just kind of vent off your creative energy a little bit. She got interested in the framework, which I'm interested to hear more about, which is like it's one day, 12 different characters sort of thing rather Mm -hmm. than a, here's my plot. I'm going to write a book where X, Y, Z happens. And what did she say? She says, I was thinking about Brexit while I was writing it because everybody was thinking about Brexit while I was writing it. It was kind of all there was to think about. But I've been thinking about it again in relation to COVID and lockdown and imagining that every writer who has a book coming out this summer is suddenly explaining why their book is really about COVID. Uh But I think it's about what happens when there's an emergency, when even people as similar to each other as the people in this book are, are deeply divided by actually quite fine gradations of class and wealth and political allegiance, whether Mm -hmm. they're English, whether they're Scottish. Um, and it goes on to say is whether in all our division with all our fear of each other and our distrust, are we still able to respond in an emergency? Sure. Um, the title comes from a poem by a man named William Watson. Mm-hmm. He's English. If you hadn't guessed. Um, Yikes. <laughs> the, it's taken from the Ballad of Semmerwater, uh, and it is based on a legend in this village where um, they don't, like, I think it's like they don't take in a stranger who comes and needs, like, food and drink. Mm-hmm. And then this, like, floodwaters rise and drown everyone except the one family okay. that took in this stranger. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that that might be somewhat relevant to the book. I'm not sure. Sure. We'll yeah. Talk. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there was something else... I wanted to admit, oh, there's at least one interview where she, this is with LitHub maybe, where she talked about being a novelist from northern England mm-hmm. um, and having people ask, like, why don't you set novels in London? She's like, I've never <laughs> lived there. Uh-huh. Like, she's interested in writing stuff set in Scotland and stuff that speaks to northern I f- characters. But I feel like London's been covered by literature also. Also like, that. There's been a lot of stuff about London. What, who was the interview with it was with uh kendra winchester um uh who wrote reading women and she oh that's the that's the name of the the column and she's like Mm -hmm. yeah here in america everyone's i'm like from appalachia and everyone's like write books about new york city please (laughs) (laughs) and so they they bonded over that and that's Mm -hmm. that's another one where they're talking about the ghost wall and she's like yeah i was writing it while the Me Too movement kicked off and, you know, the hashtag Me Too movement as we know it. Sure. And she's like, that's not what I set out to write about, but there was there was relevant story material in it because that was just what I was thinking about. So she's had mm-hmm. this happen for a couple of different novels where she winds up meeting a moment that she didn't set out to cover. Sure. So mm-hmm. what was the book like for you, Andrew? Why? Why did you trail off like? Because I didn't. I I didn't have a good segue question, so I just picked the most <laughs> inane way to ask. Sometimes you. we rely on the ad break to like help us ramp yeah, down. We and don't have ramp an ad up, break. like to to fade between the sections <laughs> Never of the podcast. An ad break more. 
Um, but just now. Yeah. Do you want to make a great website? Okay. Let's talk about this book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's a, in the intro fiction writing seminar that I took, there are like a couple different exercises that, that they have you do in these kinds of seminars. And one is like sense of place, which is you're mm. creating, you're describing a location in great detail and help trying to make people feel like they're there by just describing it in great detail. And then you also do like character studies where you kind of like invent a person and fill in their perspective in a similar sort of way. A lot of this feels like she's just, she's writing from the perspective of like a, a middle-aged woman who doesn't like her husband very much. She's writing from the perspective of a, an older retired guy who looks around at all the other people in this village and is like, man, it's really gone downhill around here. These people aren't the right kind of people. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, but also is like, I can't believe the English were so stupid that they left the European Union. Like, haven't they noticed that every good bit of building or investment that's happened in the last 30 years has the little like circle of stars next to it. Oh, These wow. Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people defy um, easy uh, political categorization, I guess mm. um, there it, it's, there are a couple uh, chapters from teens. You get one or two from like smaller kids um, just all over the place with the, with the perspectives and like the kind of people she's writing about and the kinds of things that they are thinking about. Um, and so every chapter is a different person. They're all in the same place. Sometimes they like see each other or observe, um, the same event, but they're all just kind of living their own lives, like individually, even though they're all like clustered together in this little like campground, like yeah. collection of cabins. It's around not really, a lock. A, yeah, around a lock, which is is a lake for those of you who aren't aware of Scottish, like <laughs> yeah. we are, like we are. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah, not really a village. There's like a pub within, like a long walk like a long walking distance where you can go and get like a drink and experience the Wi-Fi, But otherwise there's like no phone reception. There's no, nobody really has internet. It's very isolated. Okay. Which is, um, I theoretically when you're going there, that's the point, right? You're like, theoretically, even though, yeah. you know, some people are more, it doesn't seem like <laughs> most people are super into that part, but part of, I mean, part of the reason everybody just seems kind of on edge in this during this book is that like the day that the book takes place during is one after which these people in this house who are not, not from around here. And mm. I mean, not English, not Scottish, not anything there. Yep. They are, I believe they are canonically Ukrainian, but characters refer to them as, um, what's the, there's one. Is it Romanian? Romanian, yeah, is, is one of the... I, there was a list of... Oh, boy, a list? Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah, they're referred to variously as Romanians, Bulgarians, or Ukrainians. So, okay. like, the the main point is that they're, they're somebody else. They're, yes. They are other from everybody else. And we don't, like, kind of pointedly, I think, don't hear... They, like, they are the only perspective that we never inhabit for ourselves sure, as sure. we're reading the book. Um we don't know a lot about them except that they have this thumping music going all the time. People, people are not like thrilled about them, but some people are way more racist about it than others. The guy who's the most racist about it starts the, his chapter off with, you know, I'm not racist, but Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they've been, they've been all cooped up 
Is that yeah? Right? So they they all they were all kind of kept up by this music all night. Most of them were, and also there's this really like heavy driving rain, even like beyond what people in this area are used to. Um, okay, most most of the people in the book kind of acknowledge you know if you're if you wait for it not to be raining to do stuff around here you're just never going to do anything people people are often used to like going outside and and doing stuff in the rain but this is a particularly rough storm and it's keeping people in close quarters Mm, mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes they go out into it and have to experience that and that's its own thing okay um, yeah so it's it's one day it's a bunch of different characters um starts in the morning ends at night so do we go through, does each, structurally, is it like, do we get the full day from one character and then move to the next, or do we hop around? No, it's kind of linear. Like, you you proceed through the day, and you just jump through and inhabit different perspectives as you as you proceed chronologically. So you get, a, like, there will be a few minutes of overlap. Like, you'll see... Okay. Uh, like, there's a chapter where a, a teen boy, to get away from his family, goes out onto the lock in a kayak. Really, really dangerous. That seems like, like a bad idea. Yeah, like, is in is pretty, and he's aware that, that he is in danger. He's But he's in pretty mortal danger for, like, a little bit in there. Oh and boy. ends up being fine, but um, just like that, you know, the... the, the uh, in, invincibility of youth kind of thing sure. like yeah i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna do what i want and i'm not gonna realize how deep i am in it until things are almost too bad to yep. recover from uh-huh um so yeah like he'll go out on the lake and then in an, in the next character's chapter they'll be like oh yeah that kayak boy was out on the lock in this rain and now he's going back home okay but then like we never go good. back to kayak boy no we never we don't okay. go back to the same character's perspective twice though we do because so many of the people are in like family units we do you know oh, you return sure. you return yep. to a, a perspective that's really close to a perspective you inhabited before and it's a little okay. bit like like double dipping, but a little bit not. But it's so it's um, like soccer or baseball, where like once you are swapped out of play, like you can't come back into the game. It's exactly like soccer or baseball. It's not like basketball that, or that hockey way. or yeah, football. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Great. Okay. Just couldn't be about. couldn't be couldn't be writer. Just trying to put it in terms that I understand. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that yeah, that's the that's the structure of the book, and I I enjoyed it. I was like the the book, the the meat of the book for me exists in these like little little phrases, little like bits and pieces of of perspective because it's all very like stream of conscious conscious knee wait consciousness con- stream of consciousness stream e. of consciousness e yeah Oof, woof. I had a long Is one. she one of those folks who doesn't like use quotation marks or something? Um, no, she'll use. Uh, well, you know that's a great question. Because sometimes I feel like that is like a yeah. That no, can make no quotation feel marks. Feel tougher no, to read than they are. No quotation marks. And I wasn't even. I didn't even necessarily mean tougher to read, but yeah, it's all. It is all. It's a lot of big like blocks of text and yeah. And, Sort of run on sentences, not not anything like intentionally obnoxious. Like you do, you do not read like a forty-two page long sentence at any point. William Faulkner. But it can, even though you're jumping around between perspectives a lot, 
it can sort of blend together a little bit. But like the the there are just a lot of good quotes in here that I the oh, Scottish yeah. sky is better at obscenity than any human voice. Yeah. Um I heard it's a very good rain novel it, in yeah, general. Yeah, it's a good it's a good rain novel. Um not like super cozy because everybody's kind of irritated all the time, but <laughs> um there's from the first chapter, uh, the woman's name. I pulled up specifically an article with all the names listed, so I would helpful. Be able to, yes, a uh, woman named Justine. She's a middle-aged lady, uh, has a kid, is married to a guy named Steve, who she doesn't, who who seems like kind of a jerk. He's the racist. He's the racist okay. one I was talking right. about earlier. Yep, sure. Um, and she's in, you know, just like one of these. My marriage isn't like great, but I'm not actively trying to leave it i'm just kind of in a rut and frustrated about it. listen uh, justine so, hang in there and just talking about talking about steve uh he won't even sit down to pee now he started getting up in the middle of the night would rather wake her pissing like a horse than sit like a woman just the once it's a thin partition she says i can hear everything it's not nice it puts you off lying there listening to aggressive peeing from somebody who could perfectly well just bloody sit down but won't because in his head the masculinity police are watching even in the middle of the night hiding peering in through the windows or crouching in the laundry basket Okay, Sarah Moss. Yeah, off. so like you get you get good stuff like that. There's a bit, um, God, there there's some some like ugh, parenting moments and some oh, no. sweet parenting moments. Uh, the the best one and one a, a thought that occurs to me not infrequently, especially when Henry's being kind of a butt, is mm. um, she is her husband has gone with the two kids. One's six and one's like one and a half. Um, down to the lock just to like be outside. And he's like, yeah, I got the kids just like take an hour and don't worry about it. Yeah. And so she spends like the first five minutes of her hour being like, I can't just clean or like do the stuff that I would have done anyway. Yes, but it's a free then, hour. Yeah. Then the gift will feel as though it's been wasted. Oh no. And then she's like, well, do I feel like, I guess I could be interested in having sex later. I got to but I got to like, see if that one weird nipple hair that I have is back. Oh no, it is back. But the tweezers are in the car. And so she like, tries. She, she's like, could I lift this up to my mouth and pull it out with my teeth? And so that, there's just like a whole section where she's thinking about that. Um, but then she ultimately just, just goes down to uh, the, the family and um, mummy. She says, mummy, look, and John Patrick in one arm and, and, and takes the tea in the other hand, gives her a kiss on the cheek. Pat lurches, casts himself onto the air between his parents, spills his father's tea. They won't always love her this much, she thinks, holding her son. No one else, not even her children's future selves, will ever will ever be so pleased to see her coming as they are today. Just thinking about yep. how, excited, how excited Henry is when I come to get him from school. And yep. just thinking, you know, if it's not going to be that long before he's like, Embarrassed of me at best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the and thing most, that's been a- you know most most people I know come, have come out on the other end of, of that, <laughs> but yeah, you you do not get that unconditional love and excitement for very long in the scheme of things. I don't no, think. I I am getting uh, a a need. He he Simon needs to know where I am. Mm-hmm all the time same 
and not I'm always I'm always texting you being like, hey, where are you right <laughs> hey, now? What are you doing? If you need to give, you know, if you need to make a find my friends request, you just <laughs> let me know. But he can't use find my friends because he's not allowed to have a screen yet. And no. Henry asked if he could have a phone today. And no, like, absolutely didn't. not. Nope. Throw all the phones out the window. <laughs> he, not allowed. Well, he, it was kind of a sideways request. He was like, can I have my phone? <laughs> and Suzanne was like, no, you can't have you don't have a phone. He says, I want a phone. No, you can't have a phone. Oh, Henry. Yeah, yeah Simon mm-hmm. just wants to know where I am. Mm-hmm. And it's nice, except it's, I need to do things. I need yeah, to go right. places. Yeah. I need mm-hmm. to make food for his mother so that he mm-hmm. can continue to live. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's okay. We're fine here. Um, yeah. What other character types stood out so like the parenting stuff stood out to you mm-hmm. what other characters have either we haven't talked about or just like perspectives that struck you man the teens the te- hit the me teens with the teens let's go how much they speaking of of kids Uh-oh. not being super excited to see their parents when they get older man the teens in this book hate their parents <laughs> hate their moms like hippie jeans and hate the way their dad eats soup Yes. And that they have to share a room in this cabin that they're in for no reason. And um, the the boy whose name is not. It's uh, Alex. Alex. OK. Uh, is, is, this is Kayak Boy also. OK. Alex. OK. Um, thinks about, you know, I, I should go somewhere like not America because it's too crazy over there. And <laughs> oh, God, but somewhere. Yeah, people do not think super uh, fondly of America in. in no, it, it's this I, book. it's I can't remember if it's snippets the... of this book or Ghost Wall, where I know characters talking a lot about you know racial violence and police violence and stuff in America as well. Like she is very dialed into how people perceive that. Yeah, uh, one here's one America quote. Uh, not America, though it's the obvious choice where people have always gone, but racists and guns and complete nutters, it's not even funny anymore. Mm-hmm. In any way, from what he's heard, it's about the hardest place to get through immigration. Mm-hmm. Cool, rad. Uh, there's another bit later. Uh, this, is, this is the other teen, Becky. I want to be dead. In America, she knows you can get the police to shoot you just by acting a bit weird with your hands in your pockets, which is a bummer if you're a weirdo with cold hands, but must save suicidal people a lot of time and trouble. <laughs> Oh my God, Becky! <laughs> Becky! Woof! Woof! Moss not pulling any pun. Mo- Moss showing off that she can be incredibly sweet and also pull no punches. Yeah, and you, one gets the the sense of a person kind of tapping into a lot of their lived selves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when, I also wonder too, yeah. like because she's been a professor for so long. I feel like she's probably also just had a, especially for some of these teens, maybe just a wide, and she has kids, but like wide variety of like people she's encountered. You know, plenty of authors make a lot of hay out of this, but I feel like maybe for some of these particular opinions and and people at this at these points in their lives, she might have access to a lot of yeah people she's, to draw she's ex- from. She's experienced teen angst from yeah every angle it's yep. possible to experience it from it sounds like i do want to shout out there was a thing this has nothing to do with the book but a cool like an author thing that i was interested to see her talk about in that lip lit hub interview she wrote the ghost wall while she was on 
uh, a writing residency. Mm-hmm. And she talked at length about how when she was offered it, it's like a five or six week, like go away to the middle of nowhere residency. And she's like, I have kids and a job. Mm-hmm. What? But can you do something? Can we do something else? And they're like, oh, yeah, you could do like long weekends, I guess. No one's ever really asked us that before. Huh. It's just like a really, uh, the author that she was talking to was like, yeah, that is a huge problem. Yeah, right. Because there are only so many authors who can afford to just disappear. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing with like unpaid or low paid internships. Internships. Like that that yep. kind of stuff automatically screens out a lot of people just by virtue of not making any allowances for anybody having anything else going on in their lives at yeah. all. Yeah. How are you going to, where are you going to sleep? Where are you going to eat? It's unreal. Um, okay. So the teens, anything else about the teens? Um, just that like Alex goes out on the kayak and almost gets killed. And Becky is like, I'm going to go hang out with the, the old war vet who lives in the tent by the park. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm just going to chat with him. Oh boy! And I wonder if he'll let me ask him if he killed anybody in the war. But probably I shouldn't. What ask him war? That. Uh, Which... Iraq. Okay, Iraq. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Do we get his perspective? What's his no. deal? No, we okay. don't get his perspective. Okay. We, we kind of see him around sometimes. He doesn't seem like a bad, bad fellow. He probably mm. he seems like he's got a little bit rough. It's all. Okay. And he's a little mad about like the government lying to him, and you know, like. Pretty reasonable yep. things to be thinking about the war on terror, you know? Sure, sure. Um, um, any other characters that we not, should know like, about? Not prepared oh. for a thing that I, that we both lived through being. Yeah. Like. The, the war? Yeah, you just like the Lieutenant Dan character being somebody who, <laughs> who well, is like a contemporary of, yes. of us. Which is, you know, I when boomers were watching. Forrest Gump, they were like, mm-hmm. oh, I I either know or am that guy when they saw Lieutenant Dan, mm-hmm. which is just welcome. Welcome to aging. I to guess. aging, I guess. We're all here now. <sighs> uh, <laughs> I, I have two different questions, but if there are anything else about characters that we should know, let me know. No, we'll just there's just a lot. Um, The other the other interesting chat, I think the couple I found the least interesting was like the childless engaged couple who was just like hanging out inside and, and having sex all the time. Like I found their, their plights to be the least interesting (laughs) because they didn't have like, they were, they're a little like not on the same page about everything. Just like a little tiny bit incompatible in a way that might like drift over time. But, um, it's another set of another type of person. It's another type of person. It's a person who maybe I might have been like at one point in my yep. life, but like, you're not that person anymore. No. Um, the two questions I have, and we can take them in any order. Wonderful. I heard that there's like a low level kind of like anxiety that turns to menace that turns to a dramatic event in this book. I don't know yes. what it is. That's the yeah, that's the thing the book ends with. And then there is I've there was in reviews they referenced like little interstitial passages that weren't about people at all. Yeah, they're just little little like couple pages each. Um Mostly about just like how the animals or the trees are responding to this day or like some of the events of, of the day. Um, there was a, 
one of the one of the reviews I read, and I don't have the again, I don't have the like exact link to it in my in my head notes <laughs> talked about it like one explanation for it possibly being like putting the uh the comings and goings of these people over the course of this one day in like a larger like geological uh, natural, time. Like, yeah geological time context just... i think that is reading in other things that she has written like the ghost wall is uh all about um it's not a. It, I don't think it's about Hadrian's Wall, but it's similar. Or maybe it is about Hadrian's Wall, um, and about people looking up like Iron Age Breton culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so she seems very interested in that kind of what is our relationship to long version of history. Yeah, I found I found that it's from a, a WordPress blog called okay. Peak Reads. Great. By Mandy White, I think is her name. Okay, cool. Um, she says, what she say? The cumulative, the cumulative effect of these pieces act as a kind of counterpoint to the antics of the humans. They allow the reader a little room to breathe somehow after the confinement of the goings on in the log cabins. And in a broader way, they gave us some perspective, suggesting that perhaps it's we humans who are the sideshow in relation to the vastness of geological time and the natural world. I actually, like, I found these sections a little tiny bit menacing sometimes. <laughs> That's honestly sometimes they've just got like a little bit of like loose foreshadowing about something bad that's going to happen. And so you're just waiting for something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, There will be deaths by morning ends one of these little chapters like a third of the way through the book. So you're like, well, okay, who well, who's now who's who's going to die now? It's not one of those books that starts with a murder and then goes back to like a, a week before. I bet you're wondering how I got yeah, into the right. situation. It's, sure. It's one where it's just like, yeah, bad, bad. this seems kind of ominous. seems bad. Sure, this sure. Is, this happens, I think, right before Kayak Boy chapter. So then there's kind like... Of mask, maximize the, the chances tension. you think that Kayak Boy might die. That's, that's interesting. It does um, remind me of at least one three-star Goodread review. Three-star Goodread review. That I saw from March Payne. Um, all March Pain. <laughs> it's all one word. March Pain. Um, talks like referenced Virginia Wolf, and so it reminded me of I think it's to the lighthouse where there are there's at least one passage. There might be more than one where like there's no characters. It is literally just describing all of the dust settling on this house while no one's there mm-hmm. and time passing almost as if time was a character. So it does that. And March Payne referenced Virginia Woolf as like, I liked the writing and I liked the limited third person perspectives. And it reminds me that I should go read more Virginia Woolf kind of thing. <laughs> um, but then March Payne also like seemed to really click with the writing and some of the characters. But then March Payne says, um, this is the sort of book where very little happens, except that there is a dramatic event right at the end affecting the whole park. The abrupt change of tone was quite jarring and also a reminder that there is one group of guests whose story we never hear. The book was over before I could puzzle this out. Overall, I found it to be a bit of a mixed bag, the book, but I'm keen to read this author again. So tell me a little bit about the build up to and the landing of this ending. If you were to go back to the beginning of the mm. book, right after you finish the ending, of okay, it, I'll do I that. think you okay. would see, 
and I, I skimmed through a little bit and found, you know, little bits and pieces of people being like, just people commenting in a sort of offhanded way, how flammable these cabins are and how long oh. it would take any like first responders to come and get to you. If anything bad happened, like there, there are little tiny hints of foreshadowing in retrospect. The biggest one is this girl, this little girl, Lola, who is absolutely horrible to the, <laughs> the Ukrainian girl. Okay. Whose name is Violetta, I think. Um, just like makes her go out on like a dangerous swing and then won't help her get off. And uh, it has like a, just Lola's a, Lola's a creep. Lola did it. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> um, <sighs> uh, but so yeah, you, you experience all these people's days. You, you are drifting into the end of the day. So the last couple chapters are happening while this music, the stumping music has started back up. These, these Ukrainian people have started having this big raucous party, party or something. Again, okay. Yeah, for some reason. And you know, it's, it's just the a mom and her little daughter. And then like a car of like four other people like pulls up and, the dad whose perspective you're inhabiting at the, at that point is like, all right, I'm going to go over and, and ask her to turn the music down because through the entire book, like you don't get a lot of like direct people. You don't see somebody talking to someone who you met in a prior chapter. Very Great. often. Yes. Like sometimes okay. they That's will see important. each other from yep. a distance, but everybody feels very, uh, like separated from each other and yep. alienated from each other. Like nobody really knows anybody else. Sure. Well, that's um, how a vacation, that's how a vacation thing usually goes. Yeah. But it's like, but it's because these are mostly cabins that are owned by like specific people. Every, everybody oh, okay. knows like, Oh yeah, there are those old people over there. And then there is like the English people in here with their kid or whatever. Yep. Like every, everybody knows the families in the way that you might know that the neighbor like three doors down from you is like the weird cat lady or, yep. or something well, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um checks out but you get these you get these little bits and pieces of of them all kind of having the sense that everybody's just looking through their windows kind of rear windowing all the time <laughs> sure yes. everybody and so the this is your at this point you're in the perspective of lola's brother jack um, Jack's dad and Lola have gone down to this cabin to like talk to them and, and have them turn the music down because Jack's dad is like, it's kind of like has seen all the people looking out the windows, everybody like clearly being annoyed, but nobody wanting to like actually go out and be the person who asks them to turn it down. So he's like, Ugh, I'm going to go like, this is typical of everybody in this, <laughs> this camp. I'm just going to go do it. And when he, finally has like gotten out to go do it. Like the other like racist dad whose chapter you just finished is has also like gone out to tag along. Cause he's the kind of guy who's like, you know, someone should say something, but then he never actually goes and says something, you know, the type. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've, um, I've never met that person ever. Never met or been that person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they they go and the, somebody comes out of the house and like hands the two dads a beer and they go on in and and Lola goes in with them and it seems like it's going to be you know the, the music is still going but it seems like it's going to be okay and then Jack notices uh 
you know, he's kind of like dancing to the music for a little bit, but then he looks up and he notices that the, there's a fire happening in this cabin and everybody from the entire, uh, so like Justine, the woman from the beginning of the book, who's a jogger, she has, she has jogged to the pub to call the fire department, even though it's going to take forever to, for the fire department to get here. Like the, uh, the older man who lives in the community, like is a retired doctor. And so he's like set to, uh, helping people who are coming out of this burning building, obviously having inhaled a lot of smoke. Yep. Okay. Um, everybody and, and the, like Jack's mom, who's like a super nervous, uh, worrier, like very anxious. It seems like probably she's depressed in some way mm-hmm. has come out and like, obviously this state of always being ready for something terrible to happen in this one specific circumstance has her, you know, acting quickly and thinking on her feet in a way that she doesn't normally because usually she's just worrying about nothing. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so everybody has come out and kind of banded together in a way around this, um, around this burning building. Um, and, but, and Jack just notices Lola, like standing over there, just kind of looking, looking at the, looking at the building. And I went back and I read Lola's chapter again. Cause I remember being a little creep, but it had been a while <laughs> since I read the entire chapter. Okay. Um, and she's, cause she comes up with a, like a vulgar, uh, pun for the last name of the people who lives in this house. Awesome. So I can't cool. Say on Lola. Our, on yep. Our podcast. Yep. Um, and the, and Jack also using that name for them in his in his head Neat. is what sort of draws attention to the fact that you're like inhabiting somebody who's close to Lola again, you know? Great, yes. Um, so I went back to read Lola's chapter again, and she is at one point because I just was looking for the, the I was looking for the clues. Mister Police gave me all the clues <laughs> to figure out who did the cabin <laughs> burning. Real Sherlock Holmes over here. I was sure it was Lola, but I wanted to go back and see if there was any like evidence, like a smoking gun or a smoking something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And she's just playing with a lighter in her coat pocket that she stole from her mom. And as she's watching this house burn, she's got her hand in her pocket for no reason. Huh. And I mean, the so Ukrainian mom also was like standing out on the deck, like smoking. Okay. And but. so like, is it, is it possible that the cabin was set on fire in some other way? I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible, but Lola absolutely 100% because she's a little, <laughs> she's a little like xenophobic creep. What is the and this and this mom and her, her little girl like die in this fire at the end? Oh no! Yeah, and so it's all these people like so many of these people who think thoughts of man the world is so nuts right now. Brexit was mm. stupid. The English are stupid. America is stupid, but also. Like the, the, one of the, the, the most interesting thing probably about the, the engaged couple who's just like in their cabin the whole time is like the, uh, I think Millie is her name. That's a name that somebody would have Millie. Yes. Millie. Uh, she is like sort of, she is very like into like reading about nature or like reading about feminism but and like talking to her friends about it and everybody they all get mad about the same stuff but at least as we experience her through the eyes of josh her her fiance 
Mm-hmm. She's not the kind to actually like go out in nature and touch grass or like do any <laughs> of the stuff that she's sure always talking about. So okay. she's she is somebody who is who talks a lot, but it does. And that's it's interesting because everybody in this book, I think, exhibits some flash of man is in the world nuts right now, but then also in some in what in something you know sometimes by burning down their cabin or sometimes just be by being like who are these loud romanians who are playing this music all the time are like othering them and evincing the kind of attitudes that have led to in some cases like the unstable political situation sure yeah Yeah. the the Um, guardian review there's a line that stood out to me how many stars does the guardian review have do we need a song i don't um, do they do stars no, you want to make up a song about how they don't have stars? <laughs> no Star Guardian reviews. Yeah, it just says it's just a fiction review by Melissa Harrison. I don't think there are any stars here. Anyway, okay. um, she wrote that it's uh, in the book, Observing the way we subtly edit ourselves and one another, the limits that puts on us as well as the strengths it creates is Moss's metier. Um, that I meant to bring that up earlier when you were uh, talking about, I guess, Justine's hour by herself and kind mm-hmm. of the assessing her own self in readiness for sex or not. That wasn't, that wasn't, uh, Oh, that wasn't just, that, that was Claire. It was Claire, the other, me. the other middle-aged mom. Okay. Character okay. Who, sure. we, who we spend time with. Um, but yeah, it just, with it, the, with the nipple hair, the, cause the, Claire rhymes with hair. That's how you oh, can remember. That's how, <laughs> good. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, it just seems like everybody in this book is equipped to, identify problems and also come up with reasons why they should not engage with them or why somebody else is the is to blame or i don't know it seems and like to a some lot of extent people- i get it like everybody's just trying like you cannot be mad all the time you just yeah, like yeah. you just can't be i've i have experienced this in the last couple of years as my social media use has dropped to zero is like i can still donate to causes that I find worthy and not be outraged all the time. Yeah. And, and try to like, try try to just be, to put more good stuff out into the world Mm -hmm. than bad stuff Mm -hmm. and just try to do good that way. Mm -hmm. Um, without being, you know, too online about, every single injustice that's yeah. happening in the world. And like that sucks because it doesn't mean that the injustice isn't happening. It's just yeah. like, this is the amount of engaged I can be and still like be a get up and, and stay engaged. and father and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. be a, just be a person who has some kind of optimism or hope for, I guess, for anything that's better. You well, know? then I was, I was going to ask, what is the vibe of the, end of this book because you both described like some of the people kind of come together and pitch in in response to this emergency everybody's knee-jerk response is to like come and try to help okay okay like in- including even like the guy the the, the veteran guy. who lives by yeah. the park or, okay i mean racist guy was one of the, the ones who went over to to ask them to calm it down and mm. he is you know but um, but yeah, every, every, even the, even the vet from the park is like come with an ax and Jack briefly is like 
having a little bit of a, a thing where he's like, okay, this house is on fire. And now this guy's coming out with an ax. Like, is everything just, what, what is happening? But he just comes and tries to like start hacking out this like window. So more people can yeah, get out. Before sure. This entire cabin goes up in flames. Um, like everybody's knee jerk responses to come and try and help. But is but it also yeah. these two people yeah. who we've never heard from yep. directly yep. who have been, tormented by at least Lola, yep. if not by more people. And utterly othered by every perspective in the book. Yes. So, yeah, the the thing that was kind of coming together for me as you were describing it is like, oh, we have the capacity, but it's often too little too late. Or at least in yeah. this instance, it's too little too late. Um, or just like people... You know, when the rubber hits the road, people are essentially good most of the time. But yeah, a lot of time the rubber's not on the road. And you could have been better while it wasn't. Yeah. Cool. I want to yeah, share this. Not, okay, yes. Go, oh, go no, ahead. Because no, no, I, I, I think I'm pretty much... T- the only... The one other like character perspective oh, that yeah, I keep me. thinking about is... Um, you know, there's, there's that older... Um, the older retired uh doctor david who has a wife named mary who is like just getting to the point of aging where she is like a little physically infirm yeah and then her her perspective is interesting because it's a lot of like she's still in the moment more or less but there's a lot of like thinking about stuff that like just thinking that they have like mint out on the balcony and she's like, I'm going to go get some mint. And David's like, we have not had mint out there in like mm. decades because mm. the rabbits got at it. Don't you remember? So like seeing somebody in like the early stages of Alzheimer's or dementia yep. or whatever it is that, that she ultimately will end up having like I, that. That's yeah. The, the, they're the oldest people who you hear from in the book. Okay. Um, so yeah, this just the, that'll stick with me for a little bit. Contrast it with the, the teens. Yes. But, sure. but other than that, like I don't, I don't have, I th- I think I'm, I think that's it for me with the book. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. It's a short read. It's not, if you were looking for a book where you pick it up and like events are happening, no. that's maybe not this one, but it's very so, contemplative. It's, it's about summer, you know, it's, you could read it on the beach. <laughs> There's water on the beach. Summer water. Seems like a good book for a think. You know, without yeah, you without you having to carry a lot of plot in your head or anything. Yeah. Um, I just want to share this quote from the New York Times review by Dwight Garner about the ending. And I think we've covered this, but I just liked how he put it. One senses Moss stumbling toward an ending rather than running confidently downhill toward one. This is comment more than complaint. Endings don't matter to me quite as much as they do to many. If I've been allowed to ride shotgun on a magnificent cross-country drive and the car breaks down in Reno, well, sorry to miss you, Los Angeles, but I've got my memories. (laughs) Then he says, this this metaphor, alas, does not work so well with travel by ship or plane. (laughs) Okay, Dwight. Jeez, Dwight. But, yeah, seems like a book that people enjoy. and I'm glad I shared that Goodreads review because it did sound like this is a a good entry point to an author who seems like she's had a pretty good career. And if you haven't heard of her, like this might be a good yeah, I'd, easy I'd, read to start with. Yeah. And I'd, I'd read her again for sure. Cool. Like there's just, there's just so much good. I, I read several things, but there's so much. 
Yeah, it sounds like just the quality of writing line to line is pretty high. It's really high. And she also is just such a keen observer of like types of people. Um, but you could probably run a marathon, Vicky tells her. Vicky, who starts couch to 5K every six months and gives up because she's too busy or there's weather or she doesn't like being out in the dark. <laughs> no. Oops. Whoops. Man, drag a moss. But she she seems to drag with love. Yeah, just like... Or at least understanding. Yeah, understanding. Or, or from from David. They've forgotten that generation. Um, yeah, th- this is about a, a younger uh, woman who uh, who was who was trying to cancel him. Not cancel him, <laughs> but, you know, like getting upset about something that in David's day would have been fine, but today is not fine, probably okay, for some okay. super obvious reason. They've forgotten that generation. Who gave them equal opportunities legislation? Who made space for women, women in medicine? Who treated black and white patients rich and poor? Just the same for the first time ever. Who gave women contraception and arranged abortions the first day they were legal? There are worse things, sunshine, than being told to calm down when you're getting into a tizzy. <laughs> Which is just, it's a, it's a really... That, interesting that. juxtaposition of thoughts because it's absolutely it's it is yep absolutely right that sometimes i think people older folks especially who like were doing the best that, that they, they knew how to do at the yep. time are not given credit for that by people who yep are Coming More, later. Yeah. Uh-huh. But also, like, calling somebody sunshine and telling them to calm down because they're in a tizzy is, like, not, not yep. a thing you should just do. Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's not a thing that is made okay by the fact that you've, you know, <laughs> paved, paved the way for further social advancement, you know? Yeah. You didn't sign the legislation. Anyway, okay. No. Thanks for telling me about this book, Andrew. Thanks for listening about that. Thanks for going to Bonnie Old, Bonnie, Bonnie Old Scotland. Yeah. Take the high road and you'll take the low. That's is that Irish? Boy, we I'll should know, huh? You Scotland take to four the high road yeah. and I'll take that's the definitely be in Scotland to four ye. Scotland to four ye. Okay, great. It's not Ireland um, to four ye. A four ye. Yeah. Before we get out of here, let me tell you that <laughs> our email is overduepod at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at overduepod. Thanks to Sean, Chris, Sarah, Amanda, Clifford, Jenny, Josh, and many more for reaching out in the past week. Thanks to Nick Larangis, who composed our theme music. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have the books that we have read and the ones we are going to read. Craig's going to tell you about what he's going to read next week in a sec. Mm-hmm. But we also have Patreon link up there, patreon.com slash pod. Support the show. Join our Discord community. Uh, get access to bonus episodes before everybody else does because you're just cool like that, uh, including our Long Reads project, which is Neil Gaiman's The Sandman yeah. graphic novel series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sit in on bonus streams when we record them every other month. This month's bonus stream, which we're going to record toward the end of the month, so you still have time to get in on it. Yep. We're going to read Jim Davis's magnum opus, The Garfield Fat Cat 3-Pack Number 1, about everybody's favorite orange, Monday-hating, lasagna-loving cat Garfield. I've read, like, 40% of that already. Mm-hmm. And and you're just and you're just laughing all the way. It's just a laugh a minute with this no. with this big fat cat and his stupid owner and dog. The 
here's it's been a stressful few weeks i'm just i am enjoying the level of brain it takes to read Uh uh-huh which is which is near zero like i'm sure you brain activity would show up on specialized medical equipment if somebody attached you to it but it's not like your brain is not working in a way that you have to be especially aware of. Maybe when I you're just reading need Garfield. to read more comic strips. Maybe I just I can like do better I than can't, Garfield because we are reading Garfield partly because we enjoyed reading Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, and I could not think of a thing that Calvin and Hobbes is more like directly in response to than <laughs> Jim Davis and Garfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so, yeah, Andrew's right. Go to patreon.com. Do you want to sign up for that bonus episode to get it early? Uh, next week, I am talking about a book called The Roaches Have No King by Daniel Evan Weiss. It was our patron's choice June Bugs theme edition for the month of June. Um, it's, it's literally about roaches living in a guy's apartment is from nice. the roaches perspective yes yeah give me them books from the bugs perspective the books uh. are te- the bugs are telling jokes about other bugs in a way that <laughs> feels like it's not politically correct like this book is weird bug, man is it bug racism i wouldn't i don't even know if i could say it's racism yet it's just i don't know like Somebody made a joke about slugs and then like they high fived their antenna. Like it's a that weird. Sounds, that sounds awesome. <laughs> this sounds great. I can't wait to hear more. So tune into that, I guess. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to our podcast about the book Summerwater. Until we talk to you next week, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.